Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We want to belong. It's something fundamentally true about human beings. We want to belong. As the sociologist and best-selling author Brene Brown puts it, we are psychologically, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually hardwired for connection, love, and belonging. Or, as the similarly deep source of wisdom that is the Cheers theme song says, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. We want to belong. And there are all kinds of different places that we look for belonging. Our family, our work, community groups that we might belong to, fraternities and sororities, alumni societies, the military, people who share our hobbies, our interests. And for each of these groups, there are things that we do or things that we experience that remind us that we belong there. We might wear a navy cap, for example, or put a decal from our college on our car. We wear a lapel pin with our company's logo or a pendant that symbolizes our children, our grandchildren. We go to family reunions, school reunions. All of these things are reminders, they're assurances that we belong. Of course, As Christians, we profess that not only do we belong to other people, but we belong to God. God is our ultimate source of belonging. But even as fundamental as our belonging to God is, sometimes we need reminders of that, too. We need assurances. And God graciously gives them to us. There are probably particular individual ways that God gives his assurances to everyone, but some of his assurances are universal. They apply across the board. And the sacrament of Holy Communion is one of those universal assurances. That's what we're saying when we pray in the post-communion prayer And thank God for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we're living members of the body of your Son. The real presence of Christ in the bread and the wine of the Eucharist assure us that we belong to Jesus. Today we're continuing the sermon series that we began last week called Being Church. We're spending the five Sundays of Lent up until Palm Sunday looking at the question, what does it mean to be a worshiping community? And we're using the post-communion prayer that we pray each week as a sort of snapshot answer to that question, a simple statement that encapsulates what it means to be church. We're also looking at the first letter of John as our scriptural guide. We're considering how John's words to the worshiping communities he knew of in and around Ephesus 
how those words can help us understand what it means to be a worshiping community right here in Northern Virginia. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go to our website and to listen to last week's sermon. You will find it under the media tab at the top of the page. I promise that this is not a vanity exercise on my part in telling you to go listen to it. It's just that I gave a lot of background last week that I think will be really helpful as we continue to talk through this series. And you'll also hear about why I chose the Old Testament readings that we'll be reading in this series as well, which I know is quite the teaser. In any case, in addition to that background, last week we looked at the opening section of the post-communion prayer. It says, Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We noted that that phrase means, it, well, it shows us what being a worshiping community means. That we experience an encounter with God. That we remember our need for and the presence of our Savior. <coughs> that we have our souls strengthened through the spiritual food of the sacrament. And that we do all of it as a community. Today, as we look at the second part of the prayer, it's all about belonging. Today's section of the prayer is printed in your worship guide just below the sermon heading. It says, for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your son. So being a worshiping community means that it is in this community that God reminds us that he assures us that we belong to Christ and that we belong to each other. And there are three components of that that I want us to look at this morning. First, what it means to experience assurance. Second, what it means to live or to abide in Christ. And third, what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And as we look at each of these questions and explore their answers, I want us to think about what they mean, not just for us individually, but for us together as a congregation, a worshiping community. How do these questions, how does this prayer help us understand what it means to be church? So first, as a worshiping community, we experience God's assurance. So in the prayer, we thank God for assuring us that we're part of the body of Christ. That means that worshiping together in general, and in particular receiving the sacrament of communion together, those are means that God uses to remind us of what is true. What is true about himself and what is true about us. Now that doesn't mean that there is no room for doubt in church. If there is anything that the scriptures make clear, it's that God wants for us to come to him exactly as we are, which includes with our questions, with the things that don't make sense, with our doubts. I've heard it said that the opposite of love isn't hate, but apathy. 
And I think something similar could be said about faith. The opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's just not caring. So coming together to worship God, even in the midst of our doubts, that itself is a sign of faith. And part of what happens when we do that is that God shapes our minds and our hearts in ways that we don't fully understand as we draw closer to him. It's one of the things that I think is beautiful about the liturgy, about the fact that we say the same words over and over as they just sink into our minds and our souls and they form us. I know I've told some of you this story before, but at Restoration, the last church that I served, uh, people would bake the bread for communion every week. And one week, a woman was baking and her kids were helping her. And her daughter, who was about six, they were talking about communion while they were baking the bread. And her daughter said something that was pretty much a direct quote from the liturgy. And she paused and she said, I don't know how I know that, but I do. (laughs) When we worship together, we are formed by the Spirit of God in ways we aren't always even aware of. And that is part of what I think is captured in this sense, in this phrase, we thank God for assuring us in these holy mysteries. There is something ultimately mysterious about worship in general and especially about the sacraments. Mysterious not in the sense that they are a puzzle to be figured out or that they are some esoteric kind of knowledge that only a few particularly holy people can achieve. It's mysterious in the sense that it goes so far beyond our human capacity to comprehend. But just because it's mysterious doesn't make it any less real. God assures us in our presence and our together as a worshiping community, God assures us that we belong to Jesus. Experiencing that assurance is part of what it means to be church. But sometimes we can even doubt the assurance that he gives us. And that's part of what John is addressing in his letter. He's saying, how do we know that we really know God? He's not just talking about an intellectual knowledge of God, but an experiential knowledge of God. And he answers this in verse 3. He says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And then in verse 6 he says, whoever abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What John is saying is that we will know that we know God. We can feel assured of our assurance by how we live. Not because if we live holy enough lives, then God will accept us. That's not what he's saying. But because when we do know God, then our lives reflect God's character. When we know God, when we have a relationship with God then God forms our hearts in such a way that we want to keep his commandments. We want to live like Jesus. Not so that we can belong to God, but because we belong to God.
Walking like Jesus is the assurance that our belonging to God is real. And again, I want us to think about this in the context not just of us as a collection of individuals, but as a community. What does it mean that together we might have doubts? We might have doubts about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our rapidly changing culture. We might have questions about how is it that we're actually going to do what we think God is calling us to do as a church. How might it change things if we looked at worshiping together as part of the way that God offers us assurance in the midst of those questions and doubts? And how might we continue to grow in walking like Jesus walked together in what we do as a church? How might we grow in that as a reflection of our assurance that we do, in fact, belong to God? So part of what it means to be a worshiping community is that we experience God's assurance. Second, as a worshiping community... We live or we abide in Christ. So in the prayer, we thank God for assuring us that we are living members of the body of your son. Now, in some ways, saying living members of the body of your son seems superfluous, right? I mean, if we were dead members of the body of Jesus, we wouldn't really be part of the body of Jesus. If there is something in our body that dies, we have to remove it. So if, if he's specifying that we are living members of the body of Christ, he's saying something more than just that we're not dead. And what that something more is, is the idea of living in or abiding in Christ. So we see this in verses 5 and 6. John writes, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That word for abiding is also the word for living. So when we are living members of the body of Christ, we are abiding members of the body of Christ. And so we're reminded also of John 15, uh, verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Being church, being a worshiping community, means that we are desiring to pursue a life that is abiding in Christ. It means that we exist not by our own skills or abilities or good behavior, but by the power of Christ living in us. It means that we as a congregation exist not on the merits of having all the right answers or the best worship or putting into practice all the proven principles of church growth. We exist by the power of Christ living in us together as a community. Being a worshiping community that abides in Christ means that we seek to produce fruit not out of our own efforts, but as the natural byproduct of our abiding in Christ. 
Someone once said, if you walk through an apple orchard at harvest time or during the growing season, you don't see the apple tree sitting there quaking with effort trying to produce fruit. Producing fruit is just what apple trees do when they are rooted in soil that is good and full of nutrients and when they get the water that they need. We will naturally produce the fruit of the Spirit when we as a community are abiding in Christ. So as a worshiping community, we experience God's assurance, we abide in Christ, and finally, we experience ourselves as part of the body of Christ. So worshiping together and receiving the sacrament together, it doesn't just remind us that we belong to each other, it's actually part of how that belonging happens. Those things help bind us together into a community. And John is clear that belonging to each other is a central part of what it means to know Christ and to be in him. It's what we see in verses 9 and 10, which is the part that's not printed in your bulletin. But John writes, Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. Being in the light means being in Christ. And so loving our brothers and sisters, our fellow members of the body of Christ, that's inextricable from being in Christ. So much so that John says if we don't love our brothers and sisters, we are not in Christ. Loving each other, of course, doesn't just mean having affection for each other, although that is a lovely part of it. Loving each other also means helping each other grow into the parts of the body of Christ that we were each created to be. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about how the body is made up of lots of different parts and that each part is important. He says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. Paul's point is that we all are needed in the body of Christ. And so part of our call as church is to help each other, to help each other identify what part of the body we are. What are the gifts and the capacities that God has given us? And how can we grow into them so we can help each other identify those things? We can encourage each other to to grow more and more in those places. We can find opportunities for people to operate in their areas of giftedness. And maybe just as important, we can release people from operating in places that aren't their areas of giftedness. We do this for each other as members of the body of Christ for the sake of each of our individual flourishing. We care about each person, and so we want each person to grow into more and more of who God created them to be. We want to do this for the sake of the flourishing of the church, of this congregation, so that we can grow into more of who God wants us to be. But above all, we do this for the sake of the gospel. Because when we are living individually and together into who God has created us to be, 
when we will be walking testimonies of the love and the mercy and the power of God. Part of being a worshiping community is growing into the fullness of who God has created us and called us to be, individually and together as St. Michael's. We've captured that understanding of who God has called us to be in our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, our vision, our values. And part of what we've sensed God calling us to is reaching out to the empty nesters and the seniors, particularly who live in this community around us. And that's why I'm excited about these congregational meetings that we're having. One we had two Sundays ago and uh, the other today after the service where we will talk and think and brainstorm about how we can live out that call we feel God has given us to reach out to those in our community who need to know the love of Jesus. Being a worshiping community means that we experience God's assurance. It means that we abide in Christ. And it means that we grow individually and together as part of the body of Christ. I want to finish with a story um, from, also from Restoration. A woman, young woman who'd been coming to the church for several years came up to me one time and she said, you know, she said, I, I grew up in churches that didn't have women in leadership. This is the first time I've ever been in a church that had a woman pastor. And she said, when I walked in the first time and I saw you up there, I felt like there was a place for me in church that I've never felt before. I'm not telling that story as a point about women's ordination. What I'm saying is, this is what we want, isn't it? For everyone who walks through our doors to say, I feel like there is a place for me here. No matter their gender, no matter their race or ethnicity, their age, their language, no matter what, we want to be a place where people come and they know that they belong to Christ and that we all belong to each other. So make it so, God. Amen.